All right, let's stand and we'll read from Romans chapter number 12, Romans the 12th chapter. This will be the second time that we're looking at the 12th verse. Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Let's, let's pray. Brother Donnie, would you pray for us? Yes. Amen. Amen. Maybe seated. So that that uh, Donnie said while he was praying that we'd focus on him, focus on the Lord instead of the circumstances around us. I can't think about a phrase like that without thinking about Peter um, and him stepping out upon the water and looking to Christ and he's walking on the water and then he begins to look at his circumstances and he begins to sink. But even then the Lord didn't abandon him. Um, he said, Lord, help. The Lord reached out, plucked him you know, from the water and took him aboard uh, the ship. And as soon as they stepped upon you know, the, the boards of that, of that boat, the winds, waves ceased. Um, and certainly if we come, if we can live in his presence, if we can live with our focus upon him, if we can live looking unto him, then circumstances around us will, will fade um, Think about the old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus and all these things will grow strangely you know, dim. That, that strangely dim makes me think about the peace that passes understanding. You know? I mean, it's, it's that which, I mean, it can, even, it can even baffle us. How could I be at peace? You know, I, I can't, it's incredible that I'm at peace in these circumstances. We know that it's only God, it's not us. Um, but others around us, like, how can you be at peace at a time like this? Um, so we, we spoke last week upon hope, rejoicing in hope. I, I ran across this, this quote by Alistair Begg. I don't know if you all know him or not, but you do? Yeah, I like him. Yeah, yeah. He said, hope is the absolute certainty of that which God has promised. Which God has promised and we've not yet experienced. But he's held out before us. You know, here's this thing that God's holding out before us. He's promised. And that is the thing that we are hoping in. Yeah, I'm, 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 sister, I like him too a whole lot. Uh, he's, he's, uh, and I, we've probably talked about this before, but one reason why I like him is because I think that we share at least part of a personality trait. If I was sitting up there on a question and answer panel with R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur and several other people, uh, many times he just kind of sits there and, and R.C. Sproul would say, you know, what are your thoughts, you know, Astor? He said, well, I'm going to preach on that tonight, you know. So he wouldn't give an answer sometimes, and I think, you know, that would probably be me. I mean, you have these other people, you know, around you. Um, certainly if the Lord gives you something to say, you have to say it. But 
if I don't have something to say, I ought to keep my mouth shut. Um, and I don't, I don't know that necessarily that's what's going on, you know, with him. But when I look at it, that's the interpretation that I have because that's what I feel, you know, in, in myself in that kind of a situation. But um, as I was thinking about these things, thinking about hope, thinking about patient tribulation, thinking about being instant or continuing instant prayer, I thought about Stephen and him being uh, the first martyr. Um, you know, we, we, we have that thought, but we know you know, who slew Abel? There was a martyr, you know, way back. Uh, Christ is the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, you know. So, but here we see, we see Stephen, early church, um, you know, there in um, the book of Acts. And it says, when they heard the things that Stephen had said, he didn't say smooth things to them. You know, he said things that cut them to the quick. Um, you know what that's like? Can you understand that, Cohen, being cut to the quick, Anna? You understand being cut to the quick? You ever you ever get a fingernail and you you start to cut it and it and and you start to pull on a little bit and it get it gets too close. It's down to what what I was told as a kid that was the quick, you know. And boy, did it hurt, you know. You peel the nail off, fingernail off too far back. Um, but they were cut to the heart, is the way that Acts says it. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven. Here's that part we were talking about before, right? Our gaze continuing, our look continuing to be upon him, to be upon Christ. So here he's looking up steadfastly into heaven, and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Uh, many a martyr has gone to the gallows you know, with, with that vision, with that hope. Uh, with that 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 trust uh, that that has supported them, you know, and and given them some buoyancy, so to speak, in the midst of the things they're going through, but but uh, or what's about to be you know done unto them. But he said, "Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God." Well, when when you look at that and you see looking up steadfastly into heaven, seeing the glory of God, Jesus standing on the right hand of God, seeing the heavens open and the Son of Man standing. Uh, at the right hand of God, he says again, to me, I see rejoicing in hope. You know, that's the first part of our verse in Romans 12. Then you go on and it says, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. And I'm sorry, I didn't give you the text. Did I? It's Acts 7, 54 through 60, if you want to turn over there. But, but um, anyway, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. So you think about this, this isn't just, the, this is several events that are happening here. Uh, they, they cried out against him. They, they stopped their ears. They ran upon him with one accord. And to be cast out of the city, that's going to take a little while. You're taken out of the city, you know, out. So this is, this is, this is something that's transpiring over, you know, not just a real short period of time, but it's, 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 it's a little bit prolonged if that's all that's going to happen. <clears throat> so I can see him being patient in tribulation. Uh, again, Romans 12. After that, it says, And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. You ever think about that? Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul. They laid down their clothes. And what, what clothes are they talking about? The outer garment. You know, you, you, see, you see pictures uh, and even, even quarterbacks. Um, their, their, their business is to throw a ball, Right? And so when you see them on the sidelines, a lot of times they have that throwing arm, at least, you know, in a jacket. And it's keeping it warm, you know. Uh, they don't want those muscles to get cold. They want them to stay, you know, limber and loose. Uh, well, taking off their outer garments, they were getting ready to hurl stones uh, at Stephen. They didn't want anything to impede, you know, them uh, from being able to throw with all their force. This is the anger, you know, that we see of these men they laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God. Here he is calling upon God as they're throwing these stones at him, saying, what was he saying? He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down. And he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What do we have left out of the three things in Romans twelve twelve that I haven't mentioned? Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. What's the last thing? Yeah, 
continuing devoted to prayer, continuing instant in prayer. Um, was, was Stephen devoted to prayer? I mean, here he is being murdered. He's praying. He's devoted to prayer, you know, no doubt. Um, but as I was thinking about these things, I, 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 you know, as, as the Lord, you, you dwell upon, meditate upon, the Lord opens you know, things up to you. And I'm like, I could see all three of those things, you know, right there, you know, in, in Stephen's life. <clears throat> even at the end of his life, even at his life being taken, you know, from him, so to speak. And of course, he knew who was taking it, right? It wasn't these men. It was God. God was taking him home. So uh, Stephen, under extreme persecution, yet able to respond in such a way to rejoice in hope, to be patient in tribulation, and continue instant uh, in prayer. Only from the throne of grace that we come boldly before, Scripture tells us, can we obtain such grace, such help in time of, of need. Um, but what grace we see here exhibited by Stephen while he's being martyred, he continued to look upon the souls of these men and pity them. He continued to look upon the souls of these men who were taking his life and pray for them and, and pray the Lord wouldn't lay this to their charge. Um, they had a zeal, didn't they? Uh, they had a zeal of God, but it wasn't according to knowledge. <clears throat> so, Lydia, would you get me a glass of water, please? You know, we, we have affections, don't we? We ought to be able to rejoice in hope, um, be patient in tribulation, and continue instant in prayer here as <clears throat> even... Stephen did. It made me think of a further passage in Luke where Luke says, or where it's written in Luke, in Luke twenty one twenty eight. look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. That makes me think of Stephen. Here he is looking up. His, his redemption draweth nigh. At the end of his, his earthly you know, walk was, was coming to a close. His redemption, there was his Savior standing at the right hand of God. And, and you know, here's Stephen being welcomed, you know, into uh, his embrace. So what a wonderful picture that we, uh, that we have there. The biblical concept of hope differs from the concept that men use, you know, in this life. And I think we may have touched upon this. People say, I hope something's going to happen. And they don't know if it's going to happen. They say they hope it's, these things are going to come to pass because they want that to be the case, but they don't know that it's going to be the case. And like we said this morning, they can't speak in absolute terms. They can't say this is going to happen. That's unregenerate man. But for us, as God's people, we have promises all throughout Scripture that we don't think upon those things in that way. It's not, oh, I hope that happens. No, my hope is that's going to come to pass. That is my hope. It's sure. It's steadfast. So that's somewhat of, of what we were talking about, um, you know, last week, uh, the, the future promises of God and putting it in the terms that Alistair Begg, you know, had put it in there. It's the thing that, that God's holding out before us, you know, is what he was talking about. It's the future promises of God. Uh, that's the foundation of our joy. That's why we rejoice in hope. We're not working up something, you know, that's, that's you know, may, might happen. Uh, we're working up this feeling, you know, towards it. No. It's, it's an absolute certainty. Um, but as we transition from rejoicing and hope to the next phase that we see here, you know, in Romans twelve twelve, you know, what is that? It talks about affliction. It talks about tribulation. Um, you ever heard the word tribulum before? You know, there was a, it's a threshing sled. So they would take this large piece of wood and it would, it, it, it'd be thick planks of wood and they're, they're put together and there were slots on the back side of it that they would put flint stones. Um, sorry, I put those th- that, that word together too quick and you're thinking about a cartoon. But they put, they put flint, stones of flint, you know, in these slots. And they would lay the, the wheat around in a circle, a large circle. And, and maybe a man would pull that sled or oxen would pull that sled over and over and over again on top of that wheat. And ultimately it threshed you know, the wheat and, 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 and the, the part that you want, you know, the, 
the, the, the kernel, you know, the seed, the, it, it, it would fall to the bottom because it was heavier, you know. And so that was, that's, that's what that, that tool, you know, was intended for. Well, the word tribulation carries that meaning, patient and tribulation. And so here we are going through, and what is the Lord doing? He, he's, he's, he's removing dross. We see in, in one sense in Scripture, um, you know, he's, he's refining, you know, gold. You know, here in this instance, he's gathering his wheat, you know, for the garner. You know, he's, he's, he's purging some things, you know, out of us. He's working some things out of us, working some things, you know, into us, so to speak. And what does the Bible call that? You know, you, you think about tribulation and you think about things that we've been through and you think about their difficulty and, and you think about how hard it was uh, in, in some of those instances. And yet the scripture, when it puts it in perspective from the time that we spend here to heaven, that's this thing we're rejoicing in the hope of, right? You get into places like 2 Corinthians 4.17. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this, for our light affliction. Now, how many of you would describe the things that you've gone through, the most difficult days that you faced? How many of you would describe those days as light affliction? Uh, I think about, you know, we, I, when I played football, we would have a, a light workout, you know, during the middle of the day. And then after school, you know, we had the intense, you know, workout. The light workout, we just had helmets on and shoulder pads. And that was, you know, as far as, you know, things that would protect us, that was, that was all that they, they gave us at that time. And that would get later on in the day, you know, we, we, had, we had everything. You know, we had our, our thigh pads and knee pads and, you know, everything, you know, was, was on to try to protect us from getting, you know, injured. But we had those lighter workouts, and it wasn't full contact um, for most of us. There were some of the guys that were just, you know, they were on full speed all the time. didn't matter whether we weren't wearing helmets, you know, they were full speed. But, um, you know, there was a light workout, and there was more intense workout. Well, the intense things you've gone through, how many of you would call those things light? We wouldn't. We wouldn't call those things light. They're, they're, they're difficult, um, you know, they're, they're not things that we look forward to. Um, they're, they're not things that we get up in the morning and say, nah, that's nothing. You know, no, there's something before us that's, that's really hard. Um, maybe something we've got, we've, got to, we've got to address a problem with or, um, you know, some kind of physical problem that we have, you know, every day that we, we've been wrestling with it through the night. Uh, Mom always told me that whenever you had something that wouldn't let you sleep, that was time to go to the doctor. You know, if it was keeping you up at night, you needed to go to the doctor, you know. Um, it wasn't a light affliction anymore. This is something a little more serious, you know, than, than a light affliction. It's not a stump toe. Uh, there's something, you know, more than that that may be, you know, wrong here. So, um, but Scripture calls the summation of all that we endure. We, we can even put Stephen's stoning in this category. Uh, you can think of a lot of things in Scripture that we can put into this category. Um, you know, Jonah, how'd you like to be in the belly of a fish? Seaweed, Scripture gives a description wrapped about his head. There probably wasn't a lot of elbow room, you know, there if all that was wrapped around him and he didn't get it off, you know. Um, you know, so you think about some of those things. Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. You know, being cast into, you know, prison. Um, the things that he endured. Um, you think about Moses. I mean, that, that gets a little more on the side of light affliction because he chose to suffer, you know, with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, you know, for a season. But, but there's some difficult things. Think about the murmuring that Moses listened to, you know, in the wilderness all those years. They just complained and complained and complained. Um, it's hard to be in, in a role of leadership like that when you have, you know, the, the people that ought to be appreciative and thankful and grateful for what God has done in delivering them from Egypt and, and, and opening the Red Sea and drowning, you know, Pharaoh's army and providing manna from heaven and water from the rock and their clothes and their shoes not wearing out, um, you know, but here they were murmuring and complaining and that had to be a daily drag upon kind of like that threshing instrument going around, you know, on Moses, um, but the Lord permits these things for a purpose. 
He permits them for a purpose. And we're told in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. Think about that. Don't, don't skip over that, that part of it there. Works for us. So tribulation works for us. God causes painful things in our lives to work for us. They're not working against us. They're working for us. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When it comes time to weigh things in the balances and the scales, our affliction compared to the weight of glory. I mean, these things are going to be surely at that time considered by us as having been light. They might seem heavy now, but they'll seem light then. While we look not at the things which are seen. Here's this whole perspective again, isn't it? It's the thing that Donnie was praying about earlier. Our perspective, looking unto the Lord, looking unto the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, so while we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, those are eternal things. Those are things that we hope in. Those are things that we rejoice and hope over. Uh, and those are the reasons why we can be patient in tribulation. So it's good to know, isn't it, that affliction has a purpose. Affliction has a purpose. This, these are not things that are just happening to us randomly. Um, everything that has occurred in your life as a believer has been for a purpose, and God is working it together for good. That's good to know. Therefore, I can rejoice in hope. That's good to know. Therefore, I can be patient in tribulation. That's good to know. Therefore, I can continue instant in prayer. Um, th- this, this, is, this is wonderful knowledge to possess. Um, affliction doesn't, like we said, come by, at, at random, doesn't come by chance, doesn't come at the devil's whim, doesn't come by man's design. It comes by God being over all of these things and saying, no, you're not permitted to touch my child. Or, yes, that thing is needful. I'll allow that to happen. Uh, I'll permit that. But providentially, he's ordained these things. We understand. We speak about them in those terms, so it helps us to understand a little bit. Uh, but we know that Lord's ordained these things from the beginning. That is, again, difficult for us to wrap our minds around, that God has known the end, right, from what? Anybody? Known the end from the beginning. We don't operate like that. We don't know the end from the beginning. Outside of what God's Word says, we know the end from the beginning. But God functions in that way. He knows the end from the beginning because he's orchestrated it all, because he has ordained it all, because he is over it all. Nothing is happening that is, is beyond you know, what, what he has willed. So you know, we, we, we can rejoice in that and continue instant in prayer. So if this thing is here, like let's, let's go ahead and, and bring Paul back before us again. Remember Paul, thorn in the flesh? So here's this thorn in the flesh. He, he seeks that the Lord would remove it. And he seeks the Lord would remove it again. And he seeks the Lord would remove it again. And he receives an answer. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. This is necessary. Why was it given unto him? Why was this thorn in the flesh given unto him? What does the scripture say? What was the purpose? Okay, to buffet him because of what? Mm, yeah, that would be, but what does the scripture say? Because of the abundance of what? Revelations. Because of the abundance of revelations, which that would be the same thing, um, and pride again, you know, and what you'd mentioned, the abundance of revelations, there was this thorn in the flesh that was given unto him. So the Lord knows how to buffet our pride. The Lord knows how to strengthen our faith. The Lord knows how to do what is necessary in our lives, and he permits tribulation to come. I mean, think about how close you are to the Lord in the midst of tribulation. How we draw near when we find ourselves in those situations. But we're under the watchful eye of God. It's back to that same illustration I was given before, Sister Shelby, with the, the watch. We got the timer. You know, we got the clock. God's eye. It's on that. Here's this trial that the Lord's sending. It's not going to last any longer than necessary. You know, here's the intensity if you want to think about the thermostat, you know, being turned up or down, whatever it needs to be to be able to, to, to prepare the dish that we may be preparing, the Lord's watching all of these things. None of these things are beyond, you know, his notice. You know, he's, he's orchestrating all of these things perfectly 
in our lives. When we get to heaven, we are going to say, he could not have done it any better. It could not have been done any different. It was exactly what needed to happen at that particular time in my life. That was what was needful. I didn't think so then, but I know so now. I know so now. So it's, it's not random. I mean, think about Job, all the things that had happened to him. And he gets to the point where he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I will continue to trust him, though he slays me. Uh, I mean, that's pretty extreme as far as things that we face in this life, right? Death was going to be up there at the top of the charts. Um, God got gain through Job's sufferings. Job got gain through Job's sufferings. We have gotten gain through Job's sufferings. Hebrews 12, 11 says, now no, I'm not, I'm not making light of these things. I mean, Scripture puts it in the perspective of light afflictions in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that we will know. But I'm not making light of tribulation. I mean, Hebrews twelve eleven says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I mean, we don't rejoice in going through trouble, but grievous. Nevertheless, what do we read after that? Afterward, it yieldeth. So, you know, before we had... It, it worketh in us. Here we have this idea of something being yielded. Um, I don't know if any of you grow a garden, you know, but we know what it is for something to produce a fruit or to produce a vegetable. It's yielding something. You know, so here in, in these terms, the writer in Hebrews is saying, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The Lord's putting us through the paces. Think about a racehorse and how it's trained to be able to run that race. Well, you know, we're being put through some things so that we can lay aside, Scripture says, every weight of sin that doth so easily beset us so that we may run the race. You know, we're running a race. We have these images in Scripture that are given unto us to help us to understand, you know, what's, what's happening here. I mean, what if we did not know these things and trouble comes? I mean, we're going to think, wow. All sorts of things. Well, I must not be a Christian. Well, this must be this or this must be that. Um, but, I mean, trouble for those that are outside or apart from Christ is simply just trouble for them in a, in a sense. I'm not saying people don't learn things through, through even, you know, humanly speaking. I mean, if, if they hit their, you know, finger with a hammer, they learn that hurts. But I'm talking about spiritual profit. You know, they're not profiting you know, from that. Um, but in us, this tribulation, what does it produce? I mean, it produces things like trust. It produces things like hope. It produces things like patience and righteousness. I mean, we have all those things mentioned unto us in Scripture. I mean, you, you think about other religions like Hinduism. I, I was sitting there thinking about some of these things this week, and I was like, you know, what do they think about? I, mean, I know some things, but what do they think about suffering? You know what they think about suffering? I mean, it's filtered into even the thought processes of people, you know, in our country, they start talking about karma because that's where they are, you know, with this. They, they say that, that this, this trouble, you know, comes about, it's like cause and effect because of something you did, you know, that now you're being paid back for, you know. And, 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 and that's the way some people think about trouble. That's not how we're to think about trouble. You know, I'm not saying there's never a cause and effect, but there's not this karma thing that they believe in. You know, it's, this is God. This is God. You know, if, 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 if we you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Have you ever done, you know, something to someone and the Lord showed you what that felt like later on? You know, because you went through the same sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've, we've experienced that before. Uh, but in all these things, God has a purpose. He's working in us. Um, and, and, and these are kingdom matters. These aren't, these aren't natural things. These are spiritual things uh, that, are, that are being worked. How about Buddhism? You know, Buddhism talks about the root cause of suffering is that humans lack the knowledge to relieve it. You know, if you, if you knew how to relieve it, you could relieve all your suffering, and suffering would be gone, trouble would be gone, tribulation would be gone. You wouldn't have to worry about any of those things you know, anymore. It's just ignorance. That's your problem. Your problem is ignorance. That's the reason you suffer so much. You know, again, that's what they think about it. It has nothing to do 
with, 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 with the things of God. You know, but for us, it does. I mean, God, again, is working in us these things like trust and hope and, and, and righteousness. I mean, these things are being worked in us through the things that we suffer. They say suffering is attachment, and that cessation of suffering is attainable. That's, again, something that the Hindus say. Romans 5 says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. How many people glory in tribulations? I mean, we're thinking, think about that threshing instrument. You glory in that threshing instrument, but here Paul's saying, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. You as a believer, as you as being in Christ, you're not going to be ashamed. You're not going to be ashamed. I mean, these things that God's doing, you know, they're, they're working something, um, and, and in the end, you're not going to say, oh, well, I'm, I'm ashamed that I even, you know, followed these things or did these things or believed these things. No, you're not going to be ashamed. You have a hope that is steadfast and sure. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given us. So we, we have this love that's there. I mean, don't we know there's this underlying current? Isn't there this that exists within our lives when things happen that we know we're not, we've not been separated from God because this has happened? He's not turned away from us. He's not forgotten us. I mean, that current of love is still flowing in our hearts where we know God's there. God's in the midst of this. God's doing something. Lord, help me to understand. Lord, help me to know. Lord, help me to walk, you know, in this, in this thing in, in an honorable, uh, God-glorifying way. Teach me what it is I need to learn from this. Sanctify this trouble to my good. When you're going through trouble, guess what? One thing is I'm going to be praying for you the Lord would sanctify it to your good. Because I know he's called, I can pray that. How can I pray that? Because God says he works all things together for our good as his children. So I can pray that, sanctify this to their good. Um, But at the same time, I'm also praying, Lord, grant them grace to sustain them under this thing. This is a hard thing. Lord, grant them grace to be able to respond in a right way. Lord, grant them grace to be able to glorify you, you know, in this thing. So there's lots of things that we can, we continue instant prayer, even in the midst of these things, right? <clears throat> so all the afflictions of God's people are designed. Think about that. God designs these things. Um, I mean, we, we look at, you can look at a tapestry, right? You can look at, at, at from the backside, it looks like a bunch of strings and knots and things. And, and sometimes the things that happen to us kind of feel that way, look that way to us. But there's, there comes a day when the Lord turns that thing around and says, look at it now. Behold it now. Behold my might, behold my power, behold my wisdom, behold my grace, behold my goodness in your life and what I've done. Um, But it's his design, it's his gracious management over all these things um, to test, to make manifest, to exercise those graces and virtues that are uh, implemented in us through those things, Um, even though they're grievous to go through. Uh, at times, not joyous in the beginning. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of uh, righteousness. But uh, afflictions do serve a purpose in our lives. They do serve a purpose. They convince us one thing. They convince us of the vanity of the things of this life. Um, this is not my home. This is not where I, where I belong. This is not my eternal rest. Um, it produces in us a spirit of sympathy when we go through things. We can sympathize with others. You know, if, if my hip ever bothers me a little bit, I can sympathize a little bit more with, with Cheryl, you know. Um, you know, if, if I, if I uh, Steve, if I broke my arm and had to put it in a sling, I could sympathize, you know, a little bit with more with what, what you have to deal with every day, you know. We, we go through some things that we can sympathize with one another. We go through th- things that we can comfort, you know, one another, um, but it, it gives us an occasion to exercise patience and meekness and submission and resignation. God, you've brought this for a purpose. I'm going to humble myself beneath your mighty hand. I know that you will exalt me in due time. Um, you have a reason for this. You have a purpose for this. And, and, and I'm going to rest in you and be patient and wait upon you, looking to you. Um, again, that's continuing, you know, instant, <clears throat> excuse me, in prayer. Um, it, afflictions convince us more deeply of our own weakness. Lord, I need you. 
I'm not sufficient. I'm not sufficient in these things. I, I need you. I can't, I can't, I can't do this alone. Um, but they convince us of our own weakness and insufficiency. Um, they, in, they, they endear the, the, the mercy and the grace and the strength of, of God unto us. Um, but they, we've already said, we make it a point again, but, but afflictions purify. We've already said that, afflictions, afflictions purify. But here's the thing. They are not sent in wrath. They're sent in mercy. You know, even when God chas- chastens us, even when God, you know, disciplines us, we're not punished for our sins. Christ took that punishment. Uh, but we are disciplined. We are corrected. What father doesn't correct, you know, their child? You know, we have that, you know, there in Hebrews, don't we? Um, he does correct us because he loves us. Uh, so he puts us through these, these paces, these things to teach us, to help us, to uh, encourage us, um, to help us to learn some things and learn some patience and things like that. Uh, think about the psalmist when he says, why art thou in Psalm 43, verse 5, he says, why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Look what he says next, hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Momentary light afflictions, far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. You know, I, I shall yet praise him. I shall yet praise him. There is an end, there is a purpose. We have a hope. So let us, let us be rich, you know, towards God in these things. Rich in our thoughts towards him in these things that God is working. God is, he's never idle. God's not ever idle. We're, sometimes we're idle, aren't we? Uh, but God's never idle. He's always working. But be rich in our thoughts, the salvation that is ours in Christ, and that these things are working, you know, in our salvation. Um, you know, salvation, sometimes people think about that as a one-time experience initially, but salvation has to do with our entire experiences, you know, from the time that we're born again till the time, you know, that we walk through, you know, heaven's gates. I mean, that's, that's this concept of salvation that's being worked out, you know, in us. But let us be rich in our thoughts in this salvation that is ours in Christ, rich in our thoughts of him, rich in our hope that alone is in him. We're not adrift at sea. We've not been abandoned. When we think about uh, tribulation, um, you know, how precious the gift of faith is to believe. How precious the gift of faith is to hope. Uh, how precious the gift of faith is to wait upon the Lord. Um, you know, one of the pastors in Ukraine in response to the attack upon them from Russia said, and I, I may have read this to you already, I don't know, but he said, let the nations rage, but we will trust in the Lord. I don't know if I read that to you or not, but um, you know, men's deeds are going to wax worse and worse. We're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Um, but you know, the circumstances, again, you know, that initial thought, that as, when Donnie was praying, that initial thought that we have there, the circumstances are not our focus. Our focus is upon him. Our focus is upon the Lord. Um, so do we have a hope worth holding on to? I asked you that last week. Uh, does your soul possess a patience in tribulation you know, as a result? Because we have that rejoicing and hope first. Then there's the patience in tribulation. And then comes you know, the, the last part, which is continuing instant um, in prayer. But um, I don't think we're going to be able to get that, that far uh, this morning. Uh, before that light affliction working in us a far more exceeding eternal weight and glory. Um, you know, it, it, Paul says we're troubled on every side. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. I mean, that, that kind of is the balance there between the difficulty of it. It's hard, but the patience, you know, that we, that we see there that we're to possess uh, in going through some of these things while we look not at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen. And we, could, we could talk about lots of people who have uh, gone through that tribulum being drug over the top of their lives. Um, we, we talked about Joseph and Job and Jonah. You know, how about Paul? You know, in 2 Corinthians 11, he kind of gives that list of things that, that he had gone through. Uh, verse 24, he says, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Remember that? He was drug out of the city and left for dead. Uh, thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day. I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, 
in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst. I mean, the hunger thirst kind of makes you think about him talking about being content with such things as you have. You know, um, you know, if you have, you know, as though you had not. You know, if you have not, as though you had. You know, how can you do that? Uh, because God's in control of all these things. He's going to provide for my every need. Not a hair of my head falls to the ground that he doesn't know. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all orchestrated. It's all designed. Um, but he says, In fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He says, Who's weak and I'm not weak? Who's offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. He glories in his infirmities. Didn't he say that when he talked about the thorn in the flesh? When, when God says, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, my, my strength is perfected in your weakness. Paul goes on to say, I glory in my infirmity because this is the result. There's a result. God has a result, you know, in these things. A life apart from tribulation is foreign to Scripture. I mean, we see all of God's people. We, all the saints have gone through tribulation. Um, so a life apart from trouble, a, a, life, a life apart from affliction, a life apart from tribulation, uh, that's, that's a foreign concept. Um, you know, becoming a Christian and, and your life being a bed of roses, you know, that's foreign you know, to Scripture. You, know, you, you set your hand to the plow, you don't look back. The one who sets his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. You know, so we have that that sort of concept there. But but um, what a, it is comforting to know that God is permitting these things, and they're permitted for our good. Um, he has a purpose, you know, in them. Isaiah forty eight ten says, "Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction." Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. So what a glory that our afflictions um, work for us. It, it may be a comparison, the light and uh, affliction, eternal weight of glory that we can't fully comprehend now, but um, it will be our testimony. We will say those were light afflictions compared to this. Compared to what God has done, light afflictions. You know, Peter talks about that as far as refinement in first peter one verse three says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead there's the rejoicing in hope right to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you i mean talk about rejoicing in hope there is a place that that has your name on it Reserved in heaven for you, a place that is for you. It, it's it's not a place that that you know you have events and they and they may have name tags, but there may be some people that show up that they weren't expecting, and so they've got some blank you know places there. There's no blank places in heaven. There's a name on everyone, and you, as a child of God, your name's there. It's reserved in heaven for you. It's sure. It's not a a maybe. It's sure. So we've been begotten unto this lively hope by the it's a living hope lively that's what that means living a living hope by the resurrection of christ from the dead to an inheritance let me read it again incorruptible can't be corrupted can't be corrupted undefiled can't be defiled fadeth not away it's not gonna tarnish um i've told you about the illustration of my mom wax i mean not waxing polishing all the brass in that clubhouse that, that, that she used to have to clean all the time. Uh, I forget how many square feet that thing was. Do you remember what, how many square feet it was? 9,000? 9, 9,000 square feet. <laughs> but polishing all that brass, and we would come along and put a finger on it. Because you, know, you could see you know, your fingerprint. And, but it, eventually it would completely you know, tarnish. Uh, but this, it's not going to fade. It's not going to fade away. Uh, it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept. Think about this. Even in these tribulations, these hard, difficult times, you're kept by the power of God. You're kept by the power of God. Through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It's ready. 
It's ready. You know, some of those people ordered those cars that that ship sunk. You read about that in the news. And there were, um, I think there were Porsches and Lamborghinis and other models of cars, but they had ordered these things, been waiting on them for months. And the ship, Steve, you probably read about that, didn't you? That ship that went down, you didn't hear about that? Um, I forget, was it Sri Lanka? Was it off the coast of Sri Lanka? I think, I'm not sure. Anyway, went to the bottom of the ocean. Fire broke out, and they couldn't contain it. They couldn't put it out, and the ship you know, sunk. Those cars were ready for those people. Now they're having to start all over again. You know, if they didn't just ask for their money back, I don't know. But that's not going to happen you know, for us. It's kept by the power of God. It's ready to be revealed, Peter said. You know, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. What did the Lord say? That through much tribulation, we would enter the kingdom of God. Manifold temptations, tribulation, trouble, suffering. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So, tribulation, trouble, affliction, that's, those, those ideas are consistent with Scripture. Believing that those things do not have a place in the life of a believer, that's foreign. That's foreign to Scripture. That's foreign to the Word of God. It's dangerous to even think that way. I had a passage that I had written down, but I don't know if I can... Yeah, I thought I'd... It's one of the things that hit the cutting room floor. I guess didn't didn't make it, but... Um, But I believe it was the passage that, that speaks about um, those who, who believe that gain is godliness. Scripture says, from such, turn away. And we're talking about earthly gain, worldly gain, possessions. The rich man, tear down my barns and build bigger ones because I don't have enough room to contain all my stuff. And God says, you fool, you know, this night... Your soul is going to be required of you because you are rich you know, in those things and not rich towards God. You know, so, <clears throat> Lord, help us from getting entangled in the pursuits of this life. It's continually being dangled before us. But we need to continue to keep our focus upon him, looking unto him who is the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, we're... We're something, there's something more important going on in our lives than amassing you know, treasure and lands and kingdoms and thrones and power and popularity. Um, you know, there's something far greater that, that we have set you know, our, we have to set our minds upon and that we have set our hands you know, to. Um, we're, we're seeking the pearl of great price, and it's not going to be found in an oyster at the bottom of the ocean, no matter how big it is or how rare it is. You know, this that, 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 that we have is far costlier, far more precious. Unto you, he is, what does Scripture say? Precious. He's precious unto us. To the world, not so. But to you and to me, he is precious. Beyond compare. Um, well, I guess we'll... We'll end there. And I thought I was going to be able to make it through both, um, you know, here with the, the tribulation, the patience, and continuing instant prayer. But, but um, we're already, um, I, I know that we went over this morning, and I know that we visited a little while. I know that we may have sang, you know, longer than some churches do, and here we are, it's 1230. But I hope that doesn't bother you because it, it doesn't bother me. I hope it doesn't bother you. Um, I, I, I'll look at it later, but I doubt that I've gone any longer than I normally, you know, have. Even though it's twelve thirty, it may be even shorter. I want to wait till Andrew posts the the message. Um, you know, I, I had an uncle that he got to the place whenever I was doing what Andrew does, and we had cassette tapes, 
It wasn't being recorded onto, you know, a computer. Um, I asked him one time, I said, I said, I need to order some more cassettes to record the messages. And uh, he said, don't order the 90-minute the, the tapes anymore. He said, if I can't say what needs to be said in 30 minutes, I don't need to say it. I'm working towards that, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not there. I'm not there. Um, and he was a much older man by the time he got there, I guess. But, you know, I, I, I have, I would spend as much time, you know, as, as I could, I think. I don't know. The Lord knows. Um, but, you know, a lot of times what I have time to do is, is, is to kind of have a little bit more than a rough draft. Um, I would love to be able to get to that part, that point, you know, where I, where I had, you know, you, you had time to think about it so much that you came up with three points that all started with P. But I just, <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. Um, now, the Lord could do that, I know, but, but um, and I know it, sometimes that would make it simpler for you, and you might be able to grab a hold of it a little bit, you know, better, but uh, um, I'm, I'm what the Lord's given you for right now, so you know, maybe I'll get better. I don't know. Well, let's, let's stand, and we'll go to the, to the Lord once again in prayer and ask the Lord to be with us as we continue um, in fellowship. Um, Thank him for the food that he's given us. Um, ask him to be with us throughout this coming week. Um, who knows what we will face this week? Um, who knows what's, what the Lord already knows is coming our way? Um, we can face it knowing that he knows. We can face it knowing that he's sent it. I mean, it's knocking on our doorstep because he gave it permission. Um, and so we can... We can hope, you know, in him, in the midst of it, that he knows that it was necessary and that he's doing something, you know, in us as a result. Um, a lot of people would look at you thinking that and they would think you're crazy, you know, to think such a way. Uh, why would God allow bad things to happen to his people? Uh, well, let me tell you. There's <laughs> take our eyes off of the things in this life and focus upon him and focus upon what's real what's necessary and to to work some things out of me that don't need to be there and to work some things into me that do need to be there. I need some patience. I need to be able to rejoice in hope. I need to be able to continue instant in prayer. Um, I can tell you some things the scripture says about suffering and the reason for it. Um, So we don't suffer as those. I mean, I'm I'm using what that said there and we know the context in which it said, but it still bears application here. We do not suffer. You know, I know it's sorrow, there, but we do not suffer as those who have no hope, just like we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. All right, let's pray.